Hi, I'm Matt Pacelli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. We're returning this week to our conversations with women who qualified for the 2021 U.S. Women's Mid-Am, and this week we're talking with Alexandra Austin. Alex was the medalist at Fredericksburg Country Club, the qualifier there, where she'd made birdie on the 18th hole to shoot a one under par 71. She was also runner-up in the 2021 VSGA Women's Amateur Championship, falling in the finals to Becca D'Annunzio. And earlier in the season, Alex had partnered with Lauren Greenleaf to win the VSGA Women's Four Ball at Ford's Colony. This was my first time having an actual conversation with Alex that wasn't passing hellos at events. And it was really fascinating to hear about her journey in golf from growing up, playing professionally, and now back to amateur golf. I hope you find this conversation as interesting as I did. And here's my conversation with Alexandra Austin. Alexandra Austin, welcome to the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. It's so wonderful to have you with us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So Alex, we're focusing a little bit on women from Virginia who had qualified for the U.S. Women's Mid-Am this year at Berkeley Hall, but you've had a successful career to this point um, with the VSGA and otherwise, and especially this summer. Tell people though, excuse me, tell people who you are, what part of the state you're from, where you play, things like that. Yes, so I live in Northern Virginia in um, Fairfax area. Um, I grew up in Burke, and currently I live in Alexandria. Um, I've been golfing up here since I was eight. I started playing. My dad always played golf, and my mom never played, and her and I both took it up at the same time when we joined Springfield Country Club. So she was really the reason who got me into it. And then um, I played basketball a little bit, but I was not very good at that. I was too short. And so golf just kind of, I kind of stuck with golf and I, I love it. How, what, what, like, what was it that got you to take up the game? And then what was it, if you can recall that, that got you hooked? So like I said, when I, I started playing when I was eight and then would just go out and play with my mom and dad and just practice. And then there was a few other um, guys my age that I grew up playing with at the club. And we would just get into little events together. Um, and that was fun. And then I think I started realizing that I was pretty good at it in high school. When I started, my mom and I would travel around to a lot of like the AJGAs and IJGT events and then I realized I wanted to play in college, so I started reaching out to some college coaches. And then I ended up playing for Jeff Beeler at Radford University. Loved it and knew I wanted to at least give it a shot to compete professionally. So I, after I graduated, I went down to Orlando for the winter time for three years. Um, the first two years, I stayed as an amateur, just playing on one of the mini tours down there just competing and practicing just to get my game up to where I felt comfortable enough to go to Q school. Mm-hmm. Then um, went to Q school and turned, I went to Q school stage one as an amateur. And then when I made it to stage two, 
I turned um, professional at stage two. And then I never made it to stage three. But then that winter time, I competed as a professional down in Orlando on the mini tours and then started playing in a few Symmetra events. And then I kind of fell out of the love for the game that winter. Just woke up and didn't really want to practice anymore. I think I was just, I was just really. Um, well, it sounds like 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 it was a it was a grind. I'm 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 interested to hear more about, you know, you, what like that's that's an amazing leap to take and to say I'm gonna and especially to start as an amateur and to take part of that journey as an amateur. Uh, before declaring professional, what did you, what did you learn about your game in those two years of competing on those tours as an amateur that then got you ready for for Q School? What were you, what were you like really working on, and what were you learning? Really learned that I mean, short game is everything, and mm-hmm. um, I up until that point, I definitely didn't practice short game enough, but then being able to be down in Florida and I think competing all year round, you know, cause it was always warm during the winter time. It was warm down there. And then I was up here in the summer when it was warm and just really treating it like work, like those eight hours I was there. And most of the time practicing in on my short game and my short game got a whole lot better. It could have been way better but it improved a lot over those three years what was it about the short game because like we very rarely on the podcast get into areas on someone's game but you've mentioned short game so much i'm curious to know is it is it developing more shots and having more shots in your bag to be able to choose from or is it a certain type of shot how 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 sort of dialed in are you getting? Yeah, so I more so focused in on using my 58 degree wedge. It was just the club I always went to, most comfortable club. Um, and I just always practiced with that. I tried out different shot variations with that club, like hitting it shorter or hitting it closer to the pin. And it was just, I think just having the confidence of using that club so much, knowing that I could get up and down, which is super key. What types of stats and analytics were you doing or do you do on your game, especially in that with that club and around the green? Are you looking at I need to be getting up and down 70% of the time. I need to have this percentage from the bunker. How dialed in with it are you getting from 60 yards? Okay, this is my 60-yard swing. This is my 50-yard. These are these are the, the shots that I'm able to hit from these yardages. Yeah, so down when I was practicing down in Orlando, um, the facility that I was out of, it was one of the best facilities for being able to really work in from a hundred yards and in. Um, And I think that's where my game improved the most was just really honing in on knowing how far to precisely hit each club to that distance. That's one of the things I was watching some videos on YouTube a couple weeks ago and saw, was watching some corn fairy tour uh, videos and saw players just standing there with a track man 
and their coach would shout out like 65, but you can't be short. And to see this guy hit the ball 65 yards was amazing. And that's one of the big growth areas in the game right now is being able to have some type of a launch monitor to be able to track those things and to dial that wedge in that well. And is the difference between, you know, being one of the best on tour and just being mediocre. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone hits the ball far. I mean, everyone can hit their irons well, but it's how great of a short game can you really make your, you know, can you hit those shots? Talk a little bit about the, the year as a professional and what that was like. I mean, you said you woke up one day and you were just kind of fallen out of love of working at the game the way that you were. What was that like of playing in some of those Symmetra events and those other professional events? Yeah, so um, I was getting to the point where I was getting really burnt out, I think, from just playing constantly nonstop and not taking a few months off here and there as a break over the winter time. Um, But then when I was competing on the mini tour in like in the Orlando area, I was dominating those tours. I was coming, I was finishing top five. And then it was really eye opening when I got to the Symmetra level and just seeing how I mean, and then I was finishing bottom of the list on this on those Symmetra tours, so I that de- was not helping my confidence. And just seeing how great those girls are, and also I realized that you really need a huge team behind you. Like most of the girls that are finishing in the top ten, they have mom dad there they have swing coach there they have mental coach there they each all have their own track men they have their physical coach there i mean it's just it's like they have their whole team with them um and, and i mean i my mom what did would you, travel what did with you me have with, yeah yeah so my mom would travel with me to some events um and then i had a swing coach down in orlando but that was basically it and I think that's, I mean, most of the um, Asian women that you see on the tours, they're the ones who have all of that support. And what I found out from most of them is over there in their country, they treat women's golf like we treat football. So Mm -hmm. they have such a big following and push from their country to support them. Where here in the United States, women's golf really isn't a big thing. Mm Mm-hmm. How were you making it through and covering your expenses at those times? Did you have a sponsor or sponsors? Were you, had you sort of fundraised from back in Virginia or were you just sort of bootstrapping it yourself? Yeah, so I really didn't have, uh, I, didn't, I had, didn't have any sponsors. My parents were fully supporting me. Um, I had a few people donate some money to me. I created like a GoFundMe page. Um, so that was nice. But then other than that, it was if I did well on a mini tour, then I would just use that money to pay for another event. And then um, it also came to a point where I realized on the Symmetra tour, you pay for your entry fee. And then even if you make the cut, but you finish bottom of the cut list, you still don't even make your entry fee back. 
Mm-hmm. So I kind of came to a point where I was like, do I really want to like go into debt or keep having my parents help support me? Or do I want to just, you know, get a job and start playing for me again for fun, not for money anymore, not trying to make it a career. And I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. You know, that's funny that you should, that you should mention that because the time that I had the opportunity to talk with you was after you and Lauren had won the 2021 the SGA women's four ball. And maybe it was just that day in particular, but you had had a lot of fun. You, I mean, you had won, which was great, but you were all smiles and you had had so much fun. It seemed competing and playing the way that you did. How great is it to have that, be able to have that type of attitude and appreciation back? Yeah, so I think my game now is just I go out there and I don't have like the pressure anymore that I feel. So I'm just out there just having fun with it. I mean, it it's not life or death. So, I mean, if I hit a bad shot, then I get mad for five seconds and then just forget about it because, I mean, I'm out there now to just enjoy myself, enjoy the game again. That is awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about your 2021 season. You, we just mentioned you and Lauren won the VSGA women's four ball in the spring, and then you played very well and were runner up at the VSGA women's amateur. Talk a little bit about your run there at Evergreen. Yeah. So at Evergreen, I had zero expectations going into that tournament. Um, I, this year, I really didn't practice a whole lot. Um, To be honest, I really don't like to practice. I just will go after work and just go play like nine holes on the weekends, you know, get into a game and play 18 holes. Um, I hardly ever spend any time at the range. So I had really no expectations going into that. And I think that's what helped me go so far to finishing runner up was just having no expectations and just going out there and just having a fun time. And I think it made me, my swing, just more fluent that way. Now, was this your first year with your amateur status back? Yes, it was. Yeah, I got my amateur status back um, in, towards the end of 2019, and then COVID hit. So there, I really had nothing to plan last year. So then this year was the first year. Okay. So you went, I mean, we're we're able to talk about you in the four ball, in the amateur, and then you go to the qualifier for the U.S. women's mid-am. What, at at Fredericksburg, what were your expectations for that? Yes. So my, and it was my whole goal for the whole year was to make the women's Mm mid-am. That was my biggest goal. So I went, I actually did practice for a few weeks up until that tournament, knowing that I wanted to get into the mid-am since I couldn't play in it the year prior. And then my mom caddied for me and we just had a fun time. I played with a former um, player who I played with, our former teammate at Radford. So that was good to catch up with her. And then um, also played with Christine we just had fun. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you played very well. You birdied the last hole, and then you were the medalist from that site also, which is, which is just awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the championship at Berkeley Hall. You played pretty well through qualifying, tied for 12th, same as, as Andrea Miller uh, with 77-72. Um, talk about those rounds at, at Berkeley Hall. Yeah, so I played, um, well, Berkeley Hall is just was am- amazing. It was, the golf course was great. It was in great condition. I thought it was set up great for a championship. My first round, I started on 10. So on the 17th hole, I hit it out of bounds and I ended up taking a triple. And then on 18, I um, chunked a couple chip shots and I made double. So now I'm five over and I'm thinking, okay, I just got to keep it together. Finished shot even on the back. So I finished five over. And then I think having the last, I had the last tee time on Sunday. So I knew what the scores were doing going into it. And I knew if I just shot like two or three over that day that I would make it into match play. And that was really my only goal. I wasn't out there trying to be medalist or anything. I was just trying to make match play. And so then you make match play. Um, you end up in the in the 14 seed and play Claire Connolly uh, in the first round. And that doesn't go your way, losing one one down. Tell me a little bit about that match. Yeah, so Claire is a really good friend of mine. Um, We grew up playing together. Um, We actually have hung out a few times in D.C. outside of golf. So, I mean, we had fun. It was easy going, the match, good conversation, everything. And then the last four or five holes, you could tell the tension between us just really picked up. Uh We stopped talking to each other. Um, She... I actually made the turn three up and then she sunk some bombs for birdies um, on the back nine. And that's kind of where the, like it just flipped. And then mm-hmm. we went to eight, 18, we were tied. And then I ended up three putting 18. And so, and she two putted, she made par in advance. Oh man. Yeah. Um, well, tell me a little bit about your match play. I mean, obviously playing her, someone who's a, who's a friend is, has its own sort of elements involved, but what's your mentality in match play, match play? You'd had success at the women's AM over the summer and then, and then made it here. What was your, what's your mentality or pleasure out of match play? Yes. So I just love match play being that, you know, you could make, a double on the hole, but the person makes birdie and it's just, they're just one up and that's it. Or if, um, I go into it, if they're putting before me, knowing that they're going to make every putt that mm-hmm. they look at just so that I'm prepared so that when I go up to make my putt, I'm not trying to force the putt into the hole. I'm just trying to keep my same rhythm that I normally do for everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So much of what we hear about, about match play is that where you can make a double and still only be one down or have a really bad hole and still only lose um, the single hole. Before I let you off the hook, Alex, I'm, I want to know, because I think you're, I, I try not to talk to women about their age, but I think that you're like 27, 28 in your late twenties. 
Um, in that mid-am segment of women is a lot of times, and these are natural things that, that draw women away from the game, whether it's starting a family or um, reaching a new, a new level in their career, we lose women participating in golf. How do you see some of those, I guess, opportunities to, to reverse that or to keep women engaged in golf at any level through the mid-am years? Yeah, so I definitely see that as well. Um, just like if I, I had someone bring the attention to me that there were so the difference between how many men competed to try to qualify for their mid-ams versus the women. And I definitely think you see the gap, like 25 to thir early 30s, you'll see women competing in the mid-am. And then there's a, a big gap, and it's not until maybe their late 40s or early 50s, like after they have children. Um, and I definitely, I don't know how we could get more women more engaged in it. Yeah, that's a tough one, unless you're your spouse is able to, you know, watch the kids more so that you could, the woman can get out and practice more. I don't. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure. there's, there's a, there's a lot of women out there who are what you'd consider golf adjacent by nature of their husband or partner um, or significant other participating in golf who maybe just need the right invitation or the right setting that's going to get them out there and i don't have that answer and i think it's but i think it's one that the industry as a whole is trying to consider the same way trying to consider a lot of different things but at least over the the year and a half of of covid um there's there's been some growth in some of those areas and it's great to have you as an ambassador within that segment and as someone who's played at the very highest levels and still competes now as an amateur at the very highest levels within that segment to sort of be a cheerleader, if you will, or a support for women who are looking to, to take up the game because it is a great way to do so many different things, whether that's to network or to exercise or, or, or whatever that is, that is your draw to the game. Yeah, I definitely think like when you graduate from, um, it's hard because when you graduate from college, you're like 22 and there's really no tournaments um, at that highest level to play in until you're 25. And I just think that if women can just stick with it until they're 25 and then they, you know, compete and then if they get into the mid-am, then they'd be hooked. You know, once you play in a USGA event, you want to play in all of them. So what are your goals right now for the off season and going into 2022? Is there anything that you're working on with your game or how are you building your schedule for 2022? Right now I'm just going to play when it's warm out because I'm <laughs> a whip when it comes to cold weather. Um, but then I'll start picking it, taking, picking it back up more serious. Um, in March practicing more because Lauren and I qualified for the USGA four ball that's and right. that's in um, Puerto Rico mid-April so that's I'm awesome. really looking forward to that talk a little bit about that round if you can I know you guys played Willow Oaks you got around there in 64 I think it was how well did you both play like what was that like 
yeah, we we both played really well except for like one or two hole one hole we bogeyed. Um, and Lauren saved us from making a double, which was nice. But her and I, I think we mesh so well together is we're complete opposites when it comes to the comes to golf. She remembers every shot, every hole, all of that. For uh-huh. me, I just after I hit my shot, I forget about everything behind me. Or even after a practice round and we go to the next hole, I'm like, do we hit driver on this? And she's like, yes. <laughs> like we're just we're just complete opposites that way. Or she's just so focused on golf and I'm can be out in la la land, like, you know, looking at the flowers or animals. And I just think we mesh well together in that aspect. That's really cool. Now, when it comes to a, when it comes to a four ball like that, do you two read each other's putts? How closely do you club each other? How talk a little bit about like additionally on course dynamic. Yes. So, we always, I always tee off first, um, and we've played in two USGA four balls together. So we both know each other's game really well. So I always tee off first. Um, I know my drives are always down the middle. So then that kind of gives, I think, Lauren that little extra confident boost so that she can just really pound her drive, um, knowing that I'm in the middle. And then when it comes to putting, we both just kind of stick to um, ourselves. And if I have a question on which way I think it might break. I might ask her or um, she would ask me. And then clubbing wise, I'm one iron less than her. So if I ask her if she's going to hit her seven, I know I need to hit my six. And then that just gives me the extra little bit of confidence boost that I'm hitting the right club. That is awesome uh, that you have that accuracy off the tee to be able to give her sort of free run with the driver or uh whatever it is that's so that's so cool well i hope you guys play well in puerto rico and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to catch up with you both to hear about what that experience is like congratulations on that again and the success that you had in 2021 it's great to have you as an amateur back with the vsga and we hope you have a great off season and we'll look forward to seeing you soon Yeah, thank you so much. I love the VSGA and everything about them. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Alexandra Austin. The 2021 season is coming to an end, so be on the lookout for ways to renew your VSGA membership in 2022, or visit your VSGA member club and make sure they renew you in the new year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.